0: Thank you so much for all that you are doing in providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am back today with AP, as people affectionately call you, Andrew Poudoua from IEW, the Institute for Excellence in Writing. And I, I actually learned about you last week when we were recording that it is not the Institute for Excellence in Science because science is not your jam. You do not love science.
1: Yeah, I had, I, I would say, a bad experience in school with with the apex of that bad experience being <laughs> high school biology. Oh, gosh. <laughs> which kind of set me up for a long-term dislike of science textbooks. Oh, goodness. Although I will say in the last... Uh, year in particular but the last few years I have become very interested in health and nutrition Mm -hmm. and longevity and exercise and cognitive function and all of these things to become happier, healthier person. Yeah. And there's a lot of science in this. I mean technical stuff. And I'm now fascinated. Yes. You know, because the difference was then it was irrelevant. Mm-hmm. it had absolutely no connection with me or my life or anything right and now it is relevant right which is one of the it, it is the factor in motivating kids to learn yep is relevancy right so i probably know a lot more science than i ever anticipated knowing because i've been pursuing it as a result of interest
0: yes mm-hmm. it's one of the things that i think is the most fascinating about taking a step back and looking at our kids and figuring out how god created them because God did not create every person to be a scientist and a historian and a mathematician and a writer and all of all of the things that we think children need to become experts at. And so God has gifted you in music and writing, but he's not gifted you in science. But the beauty is if you learn science and learn kind of the basics of science, it helps you to understand God's world better and his creation. Yeah. But you don't have to be an expert at it and you don't have to love it or teach it. It's just... Good to know some of the basics of it. And so that's what we really try to teach our girls is you don't have to master everything. I really don't care. I want them to master the things that God created them to pursue.
1: Well, and if you think about your typical subject in school, you have a big thick textbook, three, four hundred pages. You slog through this thing, you know, a chapter a week for a school year, whatever and two months after that class is over what percentage of it do you really know or yeah, retain very or little. think about you know very very little so i have come to the conclusion that it is way better to do less mm-hmm. and remember more and retain more to go deeper right than to be a mile wide and a quarter inch deep and then have evaporation take it all away sure but I think again, we were talking about um, last time was how we, we feel like we have to do homeschooling the way schools do schooling. Right. And so part of that is to realize, you know, it's it's a lot more about process mm-hmm. rather than product. Right. I mean, it's it's the experience a child has as they are learning stuff. Right. That's what they carry into adulthood more than the information or the memory of the skill that they had for a while. Right. Um, you know, I, I think it's very good for parents to look back and say, what are the most valuable experiences that I remember mm-hmm. from my youth? Uh, what are the things I learned and the skills that I gained that really made the difference? Um, random things will pop up. Right. Um, I would say the most important, useful thing I learned in high school was typing. Hmm, wow. <laughs> I mean, it affected me the whole sure. rest of my life. Yes. Second would be the fact that my parents did mental math drills. Wow. And so, you know, just sitting on our boat, driving in the car, they'd give me, you know, mental math mm-hmm. problems. No paper, no school. They weren't homeschooling me. Right. But they thought, well, this is good for the brain. Sure. And, you know, to this day, it's really fun to be able to know numbers, especially faster than people around me. Sure. You know, another thing that pops out so weird. There was this tiny little game that my dad got It was like just some dice and some cards. And I don't even know if you could get it today, but it was called propaganda. huh? And it was a game where you would practice recognizing various forms of Propaganda or logical fallacies, and um, I, I I have flashed back on that many times, thinking, well, that probably gave me some thinking skills, some analytical skills. It certainly um, planted an interest in the study of logic, right? Which I pursued a little bit as an adult, and then more seriously when I was teaching mm-hmm. uh, logic to homeschooled kids. Sure, um, you know the time outside on the boat, the helping my mother in her being a music teacher business and setting up all the cookies and punch for the recital. You know, you can kind of go back and and say, wow, the most significant things that kind of prepared me or affected who I became as an adult, very few of them, actually in my case, I think none of them Mm -hmm. were found in a textbook.
0: Right. It was all found in experience. Right. And I'm not
1: saying textbooks don't have value. Sure. What I'm saying is it's good to reflect on that as an adult mm-hmm. and then say, see, are we creating similar opportunities like that? It's the best we can predict. Right. For our own kids.
0: Yes, yes. I think experience for sure is so important. You know, as I think even through you you talk about learning things um instead of just blowing through it like a textbook. As I think about even as I study my Bible, you know, a lot of people, and I am not saying that this is wrong. It's just not how I function, but a lot of people, they'll start January 1st and they want to do their read through the Bible in a year. Mm. And it almost seems like a race, like I'm going to get through it. And for people who have really great comprehension, that's great. And if they're fast readers, they can do that. For myself, it takes me, and it actually this is a huge difference between Garrett and I, he's a very fast reader and he's very good at comprehending. So he'll. it takes him probably about a year to a year and a half to read through his entire Bible. And he just reads through over and over and over again. It literally takes me probably two to three years to read through my Bible because it's just the way I process it. I, I don't really care if I'm checking the boxes each day. I'm not mm-hmm. in it for the race. I'm in it to learn God's word and to really soak in what I'm learning. And so oftentimes I'll Go back and i'll read the same chapter that i read the day before and maybe even the day before that if i feel like i haven't really grasped what the lord is trying to teach through it and so um, and, and sometimes you know i'll have to highlight and i'll take notes and stuff and it's that whole experience thing where it's not just blowing through it just to get it done and i think with education we find that with our kids as well and that's a hard thing i think as a parent especially when you have more than one kid to figure out how do we create these experiences for our kids? How do we make, make school and education to where they're going to really retain. And, and obviously they're not going to retain everything that we're teaching them. That's not possible, but how do we help them to retain the little bit that we are teaching them? Have you found some really effective ways to do that? And I know you have with writing because IEW is a, is a fantastic program. Um, and you have a Good way of doing that with them, where they, you know, do keyword outlines and the, and they, um, you know, are able to go back into what they are reading and writing about. Um, but as a like general rule with education and teaching kids all subjects, have you found a good way to create experiences for kids?
1: Mortimer Adler, Mortimer Adler, I believe, uh, came up with this paradigm or at least articulated it, and and we have it because of him doing so he pointed out that there are three different things we need to think about in teaching and learning. Um, one is information. Another is concepts. Mm-hmm. And the third is skills. Now, there's, there's overlap. There's integration. Sure, You need information to have concepts, and, and you need concepts to have skills. But we can analyze them in a very helpful way. When you think about information... Number one, it is limited. It's finite. You say, okay, I'm going to learn this set of information, parts of the cell, the planets in the solar system, all the presidents of the United States, whatever. Mm-hmm. Sure. you know, this vocabulary list. Uh, and it's it's finite. And the way you do that is through memory, mm-hmm. right, memorization, right. Uh, now, you could we could get into the whole subject of memorization and talk about more and less efficient right. ways to do that, but that's the mechanics of acquiring information. If we're going to retain that information, it needs reinforcement over time, mm-hmm. which is where most of our schooling fails. We right. take a class, we take a chapter test, and that's kind of the last we hear of that forever right. or for a very long time. And so uh, this is where we see things like Suzuki Method, where we see a, a well-structured foreign language program, or we see um, like our poetry memorization program mm-hmm. that we publish, Which we're using this year. Okay.
0: Ooey gooey was a worm.
1: <laughs> so many a people. mighty worm was he. <laughs> um, so, th- you know, it's repetition and reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Concepts, however, are infinite. You can't just memorize a concept. Right. I might ask you, and it would be inappropriate for me to say something like, so what percentage of the confle- concept of inflation do you understand? That makes no sense because it's an infinite idea. Mm-hmm. You could spend the rest of your life studying inflation. In, in, in a narrow area of economics, people do that. Sure. Um, so you can't just memorize it it has to be cultivated through conversation, mm-hmm. right? And that conversation can be on paper, i.e. reading and writing, or it can be in a colloquium style environment. But to teach a concept, you kind of have to have a conversation, say, here's some information, here's some impacts of that. Now, what do you observe about that? What, what are some questions you have about that? And then that drives the expansion of the concept of mm-hmm. conversation. Skills are things that you do. You, you can't learn them unless you do them. So you mm-hmm. think about they usually end in ink, drawing, painting, playing a sport, a musical instrument, writing. Um, and we can't just watch a video on how to play the violin and pick up the violin and play it. Right. We have to do it. And that requires a feedback loop. Mm-hmm. It requires a model or a coach, an attempt at doing something and then a a refinement of that attempt with the representation of the model and the coaching. Adler pointed out, as he articulated this, that one of the great problems we have in schools, and this would have been way back in the 60s or so, when many people think of that as still the good old days. One of the problems is that we try to teach everything like it's information because we can test that easily right whereas it's hard to test understanding of a concept right it's easier to give the, a multiple choice test than an right. essay exam right 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 and and we really can't test skills at all mm-hmm. in that same way it's a coaching feedback loop so understanding these things I think then when you say okay we want to learn a foreign language mm-hmm. well there's some information that can be memorized uh, there's grammatical concepts mm-hmm. that can be understood and right. practiced and reinforced. And then there's the skill of reading and writing and speaking right. that language that can only be acquired through the doing of it. Right. And so understanding all those things when we're teaching and learning, I think is profoundly helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Foreign language is the perfect example of that because you can learn it all on paper. You can pass the test, but if you don't practice it, you know, there were, I grew up um, through my junior high and high school years going to Mexico on mission trips because we lived in California. So I've been to Mexico countless times and I, at the same time was taking Spanish in school. And so I would get to go and practice some Mm. of the words I was learning in school with the kids and and the the people in Mexico. But it was like, as soon as high school was over and I stopped going on mission trips there, I forgot it all. Mm. I mean, I, I, you know, I could say taco burrito. <laughs> That's about the extent of it, um, but it's true, and it, it is a process. It's a, of constantly reinforcing and and remembering and reusing those things that we've learned. So mm-hmm. let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. What we do at Iew is
1: break through the the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course and
0: we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com. We are back with Andrew. Um, let's move into some of the other things that you've learned through all of your years of teaching. because. You are a wealth of information. Well, I'm old. (laughs) You're not that old.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, let's see. We talked a little bit about um, process. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say one thing everyone has to face, and it's kind of like a duh. Like when I say this, you will say, duh. (laughs) Everybody else will say, duh. That's obvious. Everybody knows this. Only our system doesn't acknowledge the fact that this is... Obvious, mm-hmm. and that is that all kids are different.
0: Mm-hmm. Duh,
1: yeah. <laughs> all you have to do is spend a short amount of time with two children, and right. you realize, you know. Yep. And even if children had the exact same genetics, born on the exact same day, like twins, right. they're still different, right. And the system doesn't treat cre- The system doesn't treat children. As though they're all different it treats them as though they're the same so right. everybody in a school must kind of read the same books in the same way according to the same schedule and do the same exercises to get the same predictable controllable end mm-hmm. and so we have moved from uh, the education of individuals mm-hmm. you know systemically with the development of progressive education To the education of cogs in a system. Like, Mm -hmm. if everybody had the same education, then we can, we can, they'll be controllable, predictable, like robots, obedient um, factory workers Mm -hmm. who will do and buy and vote exactly the way they're told. Right. And so that's been going on for such a long time. Few people can even imagine a world where you didn't have, say, you know, grade levels, and Mm -hmm. letter grades, and textbooks. But once upon a time, those things didn't exist. Right. And so this is one of the great valuable Mm -hmm. lessons that a homeschool parent can have sooner rather than later, Mm -hmm. which is, number one, your kids do not have to be in a grade. Right. If you can get free of that, you're free of the, I would say, compelling but disordering Idea of comparing your children with other people's children, mm-hmm. right. and we're always doing that, primarily based on age. Sure, uh, and it's it's wrong to do that because everyone's different. I did a talk many many years ago at a convention that was specifically this is in North Carolina, and it was specifically for special needs homeschoolers. So there were families there that had kids Down syndrome, cerebral palsy severely autistic, you know, dyslexic, dysgraphic, you mm-hmm. know, you name it. And I did the keynote talk, and in that talk I said every parent would be a better parent, every sibling would be a better sibling, every teacher would be a better teacher, every administrator would be a better administrator, every politician would be a better politician if everyone had a brain injured child in their home. Why? Well, number 1, that creates a an environment where compassion mm-hmm. is practiced in a way that you just don't encounter right. in daily life. Right. So you and your kids and everyone you know grows up having a level of compassion mm-hmm. that is actually making you a better person. Right. Um, and there's there's almost no other way to do that other than to say I will go try to volunteer in this world where I'm working, you know, in that. But the other thing that you're free of is you are free of the idea that because this child is a certain age, he or she should be doing a certain thing, um, particularly academically. It becomes ridiculous. And when you get free of that idea, then you can teach every child at the point of need without that invisible fear Mm -hmm. of, oh, no, he's behind, other children, you know, parents will sure. walk up to me at a, at a convention, you know, and they'll kind of wring their hands and say, well, I just pulled my kids out of school and I have a seventh grader and a fourth grader and a first grader. I'm a little worried about my fourth grader because I think he's behind. Right. My question is, behind whom? Right. Like, What are you comparing this with? Right. Why is that even important to do so? Right. And so when you do that, when you get free of it then you can say okay my child is who he or she is mm-hmm. this is where we are this is the writing or reading or math or whatever that we can do right now the only thing that's important is that this child improves in relation to themselves right not are they behind or ahead of other children approximately that age right so you know, i I would say that is the worst thing that we do in institutional education is age segregate children. yeah, and it creates an artificial and disordering environment. And yet, like I we said last last time, um too many parents will try to recreate the system they don't want to be like, right? in their own home school, right. Yeah,
0: right. You know, it's one of the things I appreciate most about iew curriculum. Is that on, um, I don't want to say all of it because I haven't seen all of it, but the majority of what you offer to homeschool families is it'll say for the grade range, you know, because society, you know, asks us to put a label on our kids. Um, And so for the grade range that you have some that is like, you know, fifth through 12th grade. Yeah. And that's fantastic because if I take that to my 10th grader, if it said fifth grade and sixth grade, she'd be like, no way. I'm not doing a fifth or sixth grade curriculum, but if it says fifth through 12th grade, then, oh, well, if this can be used for a 12th grader, then of course I can use it. And there's just no question about it. And the same with my fifth grader, you know, she's like, oh, well, I'm doing a curriculum that's for second through sixth grade. And I fit, you know, within that category. And even if you don't, it just makes it so much easier for us as parents, because it's so broad. We don't have to assign that particular curriculum to a grade, specifically, and I—I I, that, for me, has given me a lot of freedom to be able to teach we, my girls where they're at.
1: We used to just have everything was just level A, B, or C, mm-hmm. and then we had P for pre. Right. And it was with great anger <laughs> and rebellion against my marketing people <laughs> that I even allowed them to attach even a, a vague approximation of grade level yes. to anything- but you know that's what people think and especially right. so many new homeschoolers are coming out of a system right. and their their identity mm-hmm. their kids identity is very locked right so to the degree i can help them disconnect from that right. as a identity factor i will but if you want to meet people halfway you kind of have to right. say yes this is a approximately grade three to five reading level thing. Right, right.
0: Yeah, well, you've done a great job with it. So we're out of time. We'll be back tomorrow to continue this conversation and learn more about the things you've learned in your 30 plus years of teaching. You've learned a lot of stuff. So thank you guys for joining us today. Have a fantastic rest of your afternoon. Make sure you share this with your friends and your family. People need this encouragement. We will be back with you tomorrow. Have a good afternoon. Bye.